Hey, so we back. Microwave with culture on a Saturday night. I ain't never did it on a Saturday night before. If anybody was rocking with us, they know we was on Tuesdays and Fridays, but I always had my main man, T.Y. T.Y., T.Y. You know, different venue, same concept, same conversation. It don't stop. So for the people out there wondering why we here and not at the nice, lavish, air-conditioned, <laughs> you know, San Diego City College Studios because, you know, they said that I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do no more. They said I, I, I couldn't bring my, my posse. Putting restrictions that. on you, man. Putting limitations on me. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't put limitations on a Maybach. You gotta let you gotta let the top down. That's how I'm looking at it. So yeah. So he said, "All right, I got with my crew. Shout out to Don, by the way, and Will. Came up with an idea, and we went ahead and rented this spot out. So here we are doing big things. Like I said, same thing, just different venue, but even better now. I could play my own music with cussing. <laughs> you know." So what's going on, T.Y.? What you got going on in your life, man? You about to make a big big transition here pretty yeah. soon, man. I ain't, I'm not going to have you right here, you know, seeing you every day no more, man. You got like three weeks left, man. Yeah, yeah. We got to make yeah. the most of these three weeks, <laughs> man. How you been, though? Everything good with you? Everything good, man. Finally off that hell, that hell hole we call the boat. So, you know, just living life right now. Yeah. Got to go to school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. But, you know, but everything's been going on. It's been a while since we actually talked. So, you know, it's been a lot going on from, yeah. you know, Fab taking an L. <laughs> Shout out to Fab, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Sad day, uh, man. Sad day. Uh, the, gun, the gun control was a kind of a big thing that really hit home with me, yeah. though. Because I feel like, you know, getting into it a little bit, why would you give teachers guns? Yeah. You know, because I feel like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but teachers have mental illnesses just like everybody Anybody else. Everybody else. So why would you give a teacher who might not be yeah. stable a loaded gun to shoot at? student who has a gun and they could potentially shoot themselves i mean it's just things like that that just didn't make any sense to me because you you, you just never know what one person is going through from day to day so you know a teacher could have one of them bad days where you know maybe their spouse is like maybe let's say going through cancer or just broke up with them you know something that really hit the bottom of their hearts and to take that pain away shoot they might think about taking their lives or taking somebody else's lives like just because it's kids don't mean that adults don't have these symptoms as well. Right. That's what I'm saying. And then on top of that, you don't get paid enough anyway. So nah. I need Well, to- you know, 45, what we call them. He want to give them an extra pay raise. So I don't know how that's going to work, honestly. You're you going to get a pay raise for having a gun on your hip or locked away? Like, it just still don't make sense. And nah. Sad day. Sad world. Because I'm me, you know, for the people out there listening. I'm I'm really not a gun person. No. You know, I just feel like too many things happen. I mean, you know, anything could go wrong. Shoot yourself in the foot. You ain't even got to kill yourself. Yeah. But just certain things like that. You know, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, we talked about this one time. Did we, we did, yeah. Because uh, it, it wasn't about, like, the, the situation with kids and everything. We were just talking about basically how gun control needs to happen. Because, you know, we both said we're we not a gun person. Right, right, right. You know, I had... Friends, family members commit suicide from guns. Sorry so, to hear that. Man. Yeah, man. Sorry so that. that that's kind of a touchy subject as well for me too. So, I mean, that's why I feel like we're talking about. Yeah, it. you know, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't have no tissues in here just because you start <laughs> boohooing. Nah, but nah. I'm saying, you know, moving forward, it's like, you know, with Trump doing all of that, he's really not doing what he needs to do. As you know, yeah. as the president, yeah, he. You know? I feel like he's looking over the situation, like. Press secretary talking about it, but we don't really hear you talking about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So me, I mean, like I said, 
yeah, for all I care, you could do away with them. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you gonna make a yeah. lot of people because I mean, you do have the right to bear arms. Yeah, but you know, a situation in Sacramento, y'all couldn't. Have I was rubber. gonna just about to ask you about that. Y'all, y'all couldn't have rubber bullets in the like. That, so my and I was saying. thinking about it, like I watched Man on not Man on for Inside Man yesterday. Yeah. Move with Clive Owen, Denzel Washington, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that movie. Yeah. So they all came out, hit everybody with rubber bullets. Yeah. My man got shot eight, seven times in the back, in the back. So that means I'm walking. I'm I'm here with mine. Like, yeah. What am I doing? Like yeah. I'm, I'm shooting. I'm, I'm over the shoulder shooting. Like nah, it's not yeah. even like that. So situations like that bring in effect stronger gun laws, not just for you know regular people, but officers as well. I feel like they should have a strict protocol to follow. Yeah. My man was in his, in his backyard, right? His grandmother's backyard. Grandmother's backyard. Twenty shots, like, and then they gonna have the nerve to ask him, "Are you okay?" We need to know, are you okay? You, you just bust 20 shots in my man. Didn't miss. All 20 hit him. He's laying on the ground. You going to ask him, is he okay? What? It, it just fathoms me like the common sense that some people have nowadays. Listen, I, listen, I take common sense over <laughs> a PhD from Harvard. Because common sense means, okay, if my needle is close to empty, I got to get gas. Yeah. PhD of having me park that thing on the side of the road and say, you know what, I'm gonna just call the Uber, go home. Yeah, that's that's how I feel, you know. But yeah, man, it's it's getting what? Keys. Oh, you need it. My 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 keys, your keys, keys. Okay. You know which one? You know which key is the key, right? All right. What you using the key for? But yeah, man. So I thought that was crazy because, you know, and it's a lot that's been going on, like I said, since the last time yeah. that we've been on. Just uh, so back to what you said about the rubber pellets. Like, I don't know what movie this was, but it was uh, Morris Chestnut in it. And I can't remember if it was Taraji P. Henson or. Regina Hall, one of them, and uh, the guy was like, "Yeah, get a gun, put three warning shots in it." You're talking about um, the movie, the movie with Michael Ely in it. The perfect oh yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, the perfect, perfect guy. guy. Yep, you're that right. It's right. smart. Like, why are they not using it, or why are they not the police officers getting held to the same standard as the military? Because if we shoot somebody, we go on a trial straight up. Life. Like Life. we have to have justifications of why we just did this. The police are you just get paid leave. That's it. Two and weeks they, paid leave until they finish the investigation and probably send you to some type of therapy. And they just fired the cops in the the Sterling shooting. They fired yeah. one and suspended so the other. Fired one. one. Yeah. Suspended with pay. With pay. See what I'm so, saying? So and that leads into another fact. Like just so my thing is this. You know, they, they kept us oppressed for, you know, X amount of years, a lot of years. <laughs> but the way they act is though we had them in captivity. Yeah. And that, you know, they are so enraged with us when y'all was the ones that was doing the stuff to us. Yes. So I think about black privilege. If black privilege was a thing, would we carry ourselves the way, you know, quote unquote white privileged people do? And I feel like if mm-hmm. we had black privilege, I, black privilege, I feel like some people would probably act a certain way. You know, act like, you know, nose to the air. But my yeah. thing is, if you do that, then you're just as bad as them. But also, just look at, like, the white people, how they have each other's back. 
we have another black person tear another black person down just so he can get on top or just just because like you see white folks they they work together right no matter what even if they like white uh black people or not right they still stick together they still on each other's side divide and conquer yeah divide us up and conquer us one by one because we are weaker by ourselves individually than we are together and that's basically what it is i mean honestly until we because i'm not gonna lie you you kind of i don't know and even as a black male growing up you kind of look at okay white man you little harmless guy yeah you look at a black guy oh yeah no nah, you probably got a strap on him yeah. you probably you know uneducated you know what i mean it's just that's the type of that's the society we live in in it 2018 is. now you know you can't look at a black person and take him as face value you will take him at face value so if he got his pants sagging you don't think he any good to nobody because nah. you know you judge a person off their appearance we see a white guy you know regardless of what you know what they got suits this that and the 31st yeah. but like you said they stick together them the middle easterns yeah the mexicans they the, stick together oh yeah what <laughs> yeah. like glue yeah. we for some reason we can't do that but you know i was thinking the other day when i was uh right before i was going to bed and i was looking at the uh who uh St- what's his name Stevon clark uh yeah yeah yeah. i was and, looking at the videos the 20 shots and everything and, and it just made me fear from for myself you know it, it actually had me in a sense where you know no matter what i do who i am it's all gonna come back to race right. so like i can be the owner of the falcons right but if i'm walking down the street and a police officer don't know he still can put six bullets in my back in my chest true it's it's all about race like now honestly i used to be one i used to want to be a police officer they used to be what I wanted to do growing up. But now it's like, it's not even fair or it's not even like right. And people say you should go in and make the change that you want to see. But how can you make a change in something that's so corrupt for so many years? Or how can you make the change for for ways that you don't believe in? You know what I'm saying? Right. No, you're right. Um, I did want to say something about that. I mean, it does make you fearful for yourself because, like you said, and I had a conversation with Chief Sharif about this, and we were talking about just how Jason Whitlock said that LeBron doesn't face racism when he had somebody spray painting his house. Yeah. yeah, he said that it was a hoax that he think LeBron did, but Jason Whitlock is stupid. Yeah, because regardless of what, no matter how much money you make, you could be a billionaire. You still gonna be looked at as yeah. just another black. If if a cop don't know who you are, they're not going to care. Jason Whitlock can be rolling down in his Mercedes, getting pulled over, and still can get six bullets in his chest. Right. So you can't act like if it happened to LeBron, instead of saying that, oh, man, you know, why wouldn't you come to LeBron's aid? Like, LeBron is more powerful and more known than you, yeah. Jason Whitlock. So if they spray the N-word on his, what was it, his gate, his front gate? No, no, it was in his house, if I'm not mistaken. Was it in his house? I think was it so. Okay, maybe in his house. Imagine what they could do to you. Yeah. Well, like, you know, you a washed up football player who never make the whole <laughs> You know, you trash trash. Yeah. For real, for real. He don't even have his own show. He guest stars. Piggybacking. Yeah. yeah. Like, so regardless of what you what, man, it's, you know, you wake up every day, you know, you try to abide by the rules. That's why me, it's like in life, man, you know, to make it out alive, you got to do what you live a modest, modest, civil life. And I'm to the point where, man, life is too short not to do what you want to do, especially with everything that's going on in the world. Like you can't be afraid. Like we talked about before you came on the show, you can't be afraid to take chances because you never know when 
you know, somebody might come and clean clean your clock, and that's it. <laughs> Bow Wow, yeah. Oh, <laughs> shout, shout out to Bow Wow. I could definitely say that now. Shout, shout out to Bow Wow, man. I'm, I'm I'm sorry about that one. That that one hurt me. That one that one cut me deep. Yeah. But yeah, man. So that it's it's hard out here for us, man. Because it's like no matter what you do and how successful you are, you're gonna have a group of people who look at you as not equal. Or not successful. Yeah. So I have a question. It's kind of been on my mind. So, like, do you think most police officers basically stereotype us off of things that happen in Chicago or like LA where we are battling inside the race and all oh, they're battling inside the race, but a little boy from Montana or something can see this that they're, you know, Chicago and what's going on in LA. So they might have a gun on them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but I feel like as a cop, you should be able to form formulate your own opinion yeah. about the subject yeah. that you are. You know what I mean? Because if, like you said, corruption, and if it's so deep-rooted and it's so wrong that it becomes the norm, so if you see your fellow officer doing it, you're going to be more inclined to do it. You're not going to step up and say anything because, well, I'm not, well, I can't do anything. And that's the thinking that we need to get rid of because... You know, a lot of people have a gag order on themselves and feel like their voice doesn't matter. Yeah. In actuality, their voice does matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, man. Like you said, but being a cop is just, you look at me. And then even us as, you know, civilians in a sense, you know, you see a cop, you're like, oh, automatically, pig. Like, look yeah. at him, man. He's just waiting to pull somebody over because they got a negative stigma about yeah. it. No matter what it is. No matter what it yet. Yeah. And if it's two two police cruisers, one car, I guarantee you my man is black and I guarantee you he's getting a Rodney treatment. Yeah. The Rodney King treatment. <laughs> I'm talking about what <laughs> brings me to another point. The homelessness population in San Diego bothers me. Ridiculous. Especially when you keep going down the street. You see a bunch of just tents lined up. Had another conversation with Chief Sharif, shout out to Chief Sharif, by the way. And we had a conversation. He was saying, you know, when you're in Hawaii, that's where his wife's from. Y'all ain't know. So he said, when you're in Hawaii, you know, you can't tell the homelessness from the homeless people from the people who, you know, are doing well and everything like that. He said, yeah, because they have a spot where maybe maybe on the corner you could go take a shower, brush your teeth. Because listen, I ain't never been homeless. But you can't tell me there's one homeless person out there that's like, man, I'm happy I can't wash my behind or brush my teeth or things of that nature. So I feel like it should be a a city thing or or a state thing because I'd rather my tax money, my tax dollars go to house them than to go into whatever we pay taxes for. Streets, roads, whatever. I don't understand. So all the money, and you got to talk, like your, your state alone makes over well over a billion dollars yeah all the tax money they get and all the side money because you know the government yeah but you know all the money they get let alone besides that so that they get from taxes i know california and maybe new york you're a regular in new york so how is the new york homelessness situation there do so, you see a lot of them no number one it's too cold <laughs> and you you might as well just just kill yourself if you homelessness homeless in the cold like yeah. not nah. but but they have shelters for them like okay. buildings yeah. you know specifically designed for them to go ahead get yourself together because you know everybody falls on hard times yeah but i feel like you just can't have a city who you pride like i feel like san diego's a tourist city yeah so how does it look especially it makes no sense how do you have green orange red bikes around the city so this is my bike and this is a homeless person 
So I walk around him, get in my bike and roll off. Like, yeah. what is that? How does that look? Yeah. And y'all have no place to, to house, house these people, them. clean them up, nothing? It, if I'm not mistaken, I think San Diego is like top for homeless people. And a couple years ago, I used to work for Stand Up For Kids and it's a homeless youth. I remember so that. between, I think like high school to like 22, yeah. I think that's when they kick them out. I didn't know like homeless kids was out there for real you know and that's just sad situation and when i was working for him i think i worked probably like three three months of straight fridays for maybe a little bit more before we went on deployment and they said that they was migrating all the homeless people yeah. to like closer to like up under the bridge or close to the five so basically like the way that the um gentrification is starting to happen downtown right like they kicking them out. Right. So after a while, they honestly not gonna have nowhere to go. Yeah, because I don't know. It's just inhumane to yeah. do what they do. Because like I said, like we talked about before, gentrification in itself is inhumane, money yes. or morals. Because the people that's moving them out could say, you know what, nah, let's just go ahead and do some renovation and just let these people but stay. How many at. of those people that are making six figures a year living in a gentrification area will want to live next to a homeless place, person? Or somebody that's because I mean they don't care. They, they do. They do. They do. That that actually like determines where some people stay at. Honestly, it does. But because it kind of goes hand in hand though. Yeah. Because it's like okay, we got this nice upscale apartment. Yeah. But you got a whole line of homeless people just lined up around it. Yeah. So because w- when situations like that, they look into thieves and stuff like that. Right. Like when I used to live in Atlanta, my aunt would just always tell me. Don't stay uh, near a martyr route. A martyr is like that public transportation, right. you know, because that's what high crimes are. Right. So it, high crimes, you know, maybe young young teenagers, maybe, you know, uh, homeless people. Right. So. I mean, you're right, though. But I just feel like how can you build these, you know, prominent apartments and not take care of care. the situation that's around you know the apartments yeah. so you want this place to be appealing yet you got a whole line of homeless people right in front of the building that you want to have people move into yeah it makes no sense to me yeah just like those new skyline they just built right outside the stadium right next to the main hub of the san diego trolley station yeah basically kicking people out once again moving them from wherever they was at pushing them closer to the five or underneath the Coronado bridge after a while, like I said, they ain't gonna have nowhere to go. Yeah, especially like right down the street. Yeah, they, they really not, you know. So moving forward, man, I would love to, you know, do what I could do. You know, I'm I'm a little nobody, but it got to start somewhere, you know, because I just hate how they get treated, man. Because I look at myself and I put myself in their shoes, like man, I would hate to really be out here sleeping on concrete, not knowing where my next meal is gonna come from. Just a lot of uncertainty. Now, granted, a lot of people who are homeless don't like the the structure the of life. Yeah, They're like man, a nine to five. Forget all that. Like, I'm tired of being boxed in. Like, the life, I want to be free. You know, because if you're making money, to a certain degree, you're you free, but you're really not free. Yeah. Because you still have to buy by certain, if you're a boss, you still got to report it here. If you're a worker, you know. So, I understand, I get it. I understand it. But you can't tell me that there's one homeless person that's like, man, I'm happy I can't wash my butt today. Or yeah. I'm good. Nah, that's, you know. So, moving forward, man, I feel like, you know, the conversation has to get started because I, I hate seeing them. You know, it bothers me because how do you treat people just so so ignorant like that? Have you ever talked to one? No, but I plan on it. Yeah. That's you know? just, I asked them, like, 
how did they get to this situation? They might not answer, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But it, you know, that's that's one of those one things that you want to put in your mind, like, man, I, I don't want that to happen to and me. I want to talk to them because I want to know, you know, what can your city do? Your, your, what can we do to help you and help the people around you to get off their feet and get better? Yeah. You know, those conversations. What would you like to see improved? Because a lot of people, nobody's out there with a camera light. The news people, they don't care about them no, because we're so desensitized from, wait, oh, yeah, this this is the norm. Like, a person getting shot shouldn't be the norm. Yeah. You see somebody get shot or another person bites the dust, but that's not the norm in life. I feel like we don't value life as we should. And that's the problem, man, because anytime a cop can just gun down a human being like that, like, he'll never see his family ever again. Yeah. They don't think about things like that. No, they don't. Where's the disconnect at, though? You know, why don't we value... A mom, a son, a child, a daughter, any of those, the way, you know, I want to say like we used to. Yeah. It's his video on Facebook, and he put it in a nice perspective, like, how, who's to say that somebody can basically prosecute somebody else in that instant, that quick of a second? Basically, like, you convicted him of that crime, you, I mean, wait, you accused him of the crime, you convicted him, and you basically, like... Uh, gave him his punishment right then and there in, in a matter of 20 shots. So, even if he did break in, that's one. You took his life, that's two. You know what I'm saying? Like, stuff like that. People don't think about that, like you said. And do you ever feel like, you know, there's a there's a target on your back all the time? Like, do you do you feel, how do you feel? As a black man, as yes. As a black man. As a black man, yes. And it's sad, because we can't, like I said, yeah. we don't have the luxury of just doing things that, you know, other demographics do we yeah. we, we just don't have that luxury because yeah. you know i feel like it's hunting season like i said before <laughs> and i said it, robin season boy <laughs> with the elmer fudd the double barrel <laughs> yeah you know and it's it's sad to me because the minute you can't put yourself in somebody else's shoes then you lose in my opinion your humanity because i'm able to think about man if i was homeless how would i feel well if i was up going to my grandma's house i got hit 20 times like Man, I would, I would, that that hurt me. If I had a son and he got gunned down twenty times, and these are the questions that the officers should be asking themselves, but they don't care. No, you know, at he's, all. He's doing wrong, so we're gonna take his life because he broke and entered a house. Right. Something that was could be two to five years, but you took his life. But you took his life. Another thing I want to talk about: the death penalty. Me personally, I don't like it. Because I feel like who are we to decide who lives and dies or not? I feel like in, you know, the Parkland shooting, I feel for the shooter and I feel for the people who got killed. Because here's a 19-year-old guy. Life is over. You know what I mean? And it's like at 19, like I was 19 10 years ago. And if life was over for me at 19, I'd be hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I mean, but you didn't do nothing as dramatically as killed. Nah, nah I didn't. Such, so such amount of people. I can't say that you know what he did. I'm not. Listen, by no means am I condoning what he did at all. But I feel for you know the parents of him doing that crime, and I feel for the people who lost their lives because nobody wins in this situation. Yeah, he's either gonna get the chair or behind bars, and you know I me mean, for what? Yeah. You know, for something that could have been avoided. Taking a life for a life. Yeah, man. So I had to do a paper. On, well, not a paper. It's more like a short essay on that uh, from one of my classes. First, first topic in the class, straight up, boom, yeah. death penalty. And I kind of sat on the fence, and I really, honestly, still feel half and half about the situation. 
because I can't take nobody's life for for them doing wrong. But I can also see, you know, you like as let's say as a brother or sister, somebody just gunned down your brother. You gonna want him dead, right? Either in your hands or the the hands of the the government. Straight right. up, that's how you gonna feel. He 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 should be dead, right? So in that situation, it's hard to say is death penalty appropriate. Yeah, but and I, like I said, I don't want to quote the Bible. I ain't a Bible thumper. Yeah, one of the Ten Commandments says, "Thou shall not kill," and it doesn't say with an asterisk, <laughs> "Thou shall not kill." If somebody killed your father, yeah. somebody killed your mom, it says flat out, "Thou, thou shall not kill. kill," no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah, that's why I can't believe in when people say, "Yeah, we're going over Middle East to go ahead and kill." I'm like, you realize that what you're doing. In the grand scheme of things, it's wrong. Yeah, like you know what I mean. But yeah, people, but people like ain't gonna that. think about that. They thinking like, oh, he's Islam and he's he's already doing wrong. He's killing thousands of people over right. there. So why not go ahead and take him out as well? Right. Or why can't we just go in and get him and take him out of this situation? There you go. But yeah. so let's put you in that perspective as the brother or the sister, and somebody just died in your family due to gun violence. Gun violence or getting or, or just gun violence, period. Gun violence. Okay. Okay. Uh, say your brother or sister just got shot down. Right. By another person. You know, they caught him. Right. You would rather him just spend 40 to 60 years in prison, possibly could get out on good, proba- good probation and might do the same thing over again? Or would you go ahead and take him out? That's a good question. Because, like I said, it's just in that situation. Where it's like fifty fifty for me, and I, I understand why though. Yeah, definitely understand Cause why. Because I, I can't even remember what I wrote on that paper. It kind of made me want to look at it. Because probably in that paper I sound like I'm fifty fifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I don't. That's a good one, man. Because yeah. it's you know you want revenge, you want redemption. Yeah. But if you kill the person that killed your brother or sister, aren't you just as wrong as them? Yeah, just because you got retaliation and redemption, it may feel. Is it good. on your hands? Yeah, listen. It's on your, <laughs> if you pull the triggers on your hands, no, no, no. I was, I was talking about the family member that wants revenge for it. Is it, is it on your hands? Um. Yeah, maybe. Okay. To a certain extent. To a certain degree. What's up, Will? We got a wrap. Okay, so man, that was a quick thirty, 30 hey, minutes, man. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, that's that's hey, microwave hey, culture. Hey, what Kennedy used to say? Shout out to Kennedy. We we cooking. Oh yeah, we, we cooking. You know. <laughs> Shout out to Kennedy well, Crossing. You know this this uh this, this Kennedy. This Kennedy. You know we gonna get your get your get your tables out. Get your get your popcorn ready because <laughs> we gonna go ahead and uh do what we need to do tonight. You know, yeah. Willie Bean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So listen, microwave culture. First of many shows. Yes. You know, as the as the dream gets bigger, the venue will also gets bigger. You know, shout out to Will, T Y, and uh, Dime Digital and Microwave Culture. That's what we do.